And this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, I'm going to break down the good, the bad, and the ugly of some of your favorite prospects using advanced statistics. So find out who has some numbers that are eye-popping and concerning. Stay tuned. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And this episode is brought to you by Game Time. All you have to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board and the founder of NBA Draft Junkies. And I hope everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend. Hopefully everybody stayed safe, enjoyed family, friends, and so on. I had a, a pretty good weekend. I worked, as usual. That's, that's just what I do. I worked, but I did spend some time with my wife's family and, of course, my son. All right, so let's get into this. So this episode, I'm calling it the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, back in the day, I used to listen to Kanye West, Polo Bear Kanye West, back when Kanye was a little normal. I think he's a little different now. But he had this song called The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, it was on one of his first mixtapes. If I'm not mistaken, it was on the, fresh, the Freshman Adjustment mixtape. And I decided to be a little creative. I've done it before on video series back on my um, NBA Draft Junkies YouTube page. But I'm breaking down stats for prospects. Breaking it down in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Some of these numbers are absolutely mind-boggling in a sense and some you'll be shocked to find out some numbers that are a lot for players are a lot better and then worse than you think all right all right so let's start off with the good and we'll just start off at the top of the draft and right now in, in this episode I'm just going to cover projected lottery picks and then I'll do an episode on I'll do an article I'm sorry on NBA Big Bowl where I'll break down all the guys in, in the first round breaking down like these interesting stats and splitting them up by the good, the bad, and just the downright ugly. All right, so let's start with the good. Victor Wimbayama, at no surprise, is shooting 72% at the rim. But here's an interesting stat for you. He's shooting 40% from three in transition. So that is very good. Scoot Henderson, and this is in relation to the, the fit in Charlotte. I still don't think it's the best fit. But Scoot is shooting 78%, or he shot 78% as an off-the-ball cutter. So that is a good sign that he moves without the basketball and, and that he can play a role as, as a cutter, which is something we don't really see a lot of point guards. Like, to me, the best off-the-ball cutter for a point guard that I can remember is Rajon Rondo. All right, Brandon Miller shot 48% on unguarded jumpers off the catch, which is a 72% effective field goal percentage. And then, even though it's a small sample size, and I've been saying for a while that I think Brandon Miller has more to his game than what he was able to show at Alabama. Even though it was only a small sample size on 16 attempts, but he shot 56% on post-ups, which would be good for the top 97 percentile in college basketball. So to me, that just tells me that he has 
the, the footwork in the field to like punish teams for switching and putting a smaller defender on him, and that's why I'm really, really high on Brandon Miller. All right, another crazy stat is Amon Thompson. I've never seen this stat before, even though there's somebody later on that has a higher number. But just doing my research, Amon Thompson shot 85% from the floor in transition. That's crazy. And 81% on cuts to the rim. And overall, he shot 74% at the rim. So all that tells me is that Amon Thompson is an elite finisher. And he can play off the ball with 81% on cuts to the rim. And he is, again, a finisher in transition. And, and he's, again, like 74% at the rim. That is probably the highest number for guards. And then his twin brother, Asura Thompson, not as good, but he shot 63% in transition. All right, Cam Whitmore. And, you know, when I watched Cam Whitmore's film, I had some concerns. And I'm a big eye test guy. But when you factor in what the numbers are saying, it makes sense why he's, in my opinion, going to be a top five, top six pick at the worst. Cam Whitmore was in the top 86 percentile in college basketball and scoring out of spot ups. He ranked in the top 90 percentile scoring in isolation. He ranked in the top 94 percentile scoring off cuts to the rim and the top 84 percentile in shooting off the catch. So he shot 40 percent on catch and shoot jumpers. And he also shot 64% at the rim. When you factor in, he's 18 years old, missed a good start of the season with a, I think it was a thumb injury. And his athleticism and his NBA body, I think these numbers should help explain why people and teams are so high on Cam Whitmore. And I think at the very minimum, he is the sixth pick in this draft. All right, another player that has some good numbers, Casey Wallace, 59% on pull-up jump shots inside of 17 feet. He shot 41% from three in transition and shot 45% in isolation. And he was in the top 65 percentile in college basketball in jump shots. That's, I guarantee you that's not something that people really expected. And he shot 64% at the rim. Kaysen is someone that I've been on record as saying is probably one of the more complete players in this draft. Doesn't have like the, the big glaring weaknesses that a lot of guys that are probably going to go higher than him. And some people think that he doesn't have like this tremendous upside. And when I did an interview with him a few weeks back, he talked about that he, he doesn't think that he gets enough credit for his scoring. And 45% in isolation is a, a pretty good number. And I've always talked about how he's able to get to his spots on the pull-up. And the 59% on pull-ups inside of 17 feet is, is tremendous. All right, another stat that caught my eye as far as that ranks in this category as good. Jordan Hawkins was in the top 97 percentile in spot of scoring. He shot 44% on contested catch and shoot jumpers. Contested catch and shoot jumpers, 44%. And he ranked in the top 88 percentile in jump shots off the catch. Basically, Jordan Hawkins should be able to come in from day one in the NBA and provide floor spacing and complement whoever the go-to guy or prim primary scorer is on the team that he's drafted by. And another interesting set of stats for you is Derek Lively. 
I think Derek Lively should be a lottery pick. If I'm Dallas, I'm taking Derek Lively at 10. I know people say, oh, well, you can trade back and get him. I'm taking him at 10. All right, but here's the interesting stat. The most interesting stat for Derek Lively for me was he had 14 more assists than turnovers. I think his passing is highly underrated, and these numbers back it up. There are guards in this class that do not have a positive assist to turnover ratio. So he makes good decisions with the ball. He shot 90% in transition. I thought Amin Thompson's 85% was ridiculous. Lively shot 90% in transition. And this is a stat that I guess it solidifies my thought process of why he should be a lottery pick, even though the offensive numbers weren't great. He was in the top 97 percentile as a pick-and-roll finisher. Now imagine him with NBA spacing and a pass first, or, or not even necessarily has to be a pass first, but a point guard that can find him on the roll. I think Lively's going to be very effective in the NBA. And he shot 77% at the rim. Those numbers on top of what he does on the defensive end are why I believe Derek Lively should be a lottery pick. All right, let's go to Jairus Walker. Another good passing big. 12 more assists and turnovers. And he shot 67.7% in transition. That number would be higher if he weren't 0 for 5 from 3 in transition. So Jairus Walker is a good transition finisher. Shot 73% on cuts to the rim. And here's a surprising stat. Jairus Walker shot 41% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers on 53 field goal attempts. So he had a, a pretty good sample size of unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers, and he shot 66% at the rim, and we'll get to a, a, more on that later. All right, Anthony Black. We know Anthony Black is not a great shooter. We'll get to that later on in the show. But he's a good off-the-ball cutter. Shot 74% on cuts to the rim. Taylor Hendricks, another guy that just pops out on paper. Ranked in the top 95 percentile in transition. He shot 62% from the floor in the open court. 55% from three in transition. He ranked in the top 93 percentile in scoring out of the post making 51.7% of his post-up attempts. He shot 61.9% in pick and roll. And when you break down the pick and roll, you can either roll or, or pop. And he shot 60% on pick and pop jumpers and shot 39% from the floor on catch and shoot jumpers. Taylor Hendricks could go as high as number seven. And it makes a lot of sense there. All right, some more stats for you. Keontae George. Shot 47% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers. You cannot leave Keontae George open. 47% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jumpers. Jalen Hood Shafino shot 38% on pull-up threes out of pick-and-roll. That is a very good number for a point guard. And then Grady Dick, 41.9% as the pick-and-roll ball handler. Surprising there which was in the top 96 percentile in college basketball. He shot 47% from three when he had the ball as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Shot nearly 57% from three in transition. So he is a guy that's going to be a big-time threat in the open floor. And he was in the top 88 percentile on, in jump shots, which was 40.8% on jumpers. He shot 41% on uncontested jumpers off the catch. 
and he also had 59 assists and 44 turnovers. Not crazy great assist-to-turnover ratio, but he's a good decision-maker, and he had a positive assist-to-turnover ratio. All right, Nick Smith, a guy that I think could find his way back into the lottery. And here's a very interesting stat about Nick Smith. 81.8% field goal percentage on cuts to the rim, and he's also a lights-out shooter on uncontested jumpers off the catch, making 50, I'm sorry, 48%. And the last wow stat was Leonard Miller in March. 22 points, 12.9 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1.7 blocks, 64% from the floor, 58% from 3, 90% from the foul line. Those are Leonard Miller's stats from March. All right, when we return, I want to break down the bad. And then in the last segment, I'm going to break down the ugly. But let's talk about game time. Game time is a place where you can get tickets for your favorite events, and it doesn't have to be stressful. Game time is the fast and the easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and movies or a theater near you. They have great deals on last-minute tickets. They have a best price guarantee. So you don't have to stress over tickets, and you can start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. I know I plan to use game time for the Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence fight. That's the big fight for me because I'm from Omaha, born and raised where Terrence Crawford is from, but Errol Spence is from Dallas and I live in Dallas and I feel like I've been here most of my adult life. All right, so anyway, game time is what I plan on using and that way I don't have to plan for tickets in advance because I know they're gonna have deals right up to the last day of the event. And Game Time has exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater. They have the best price guarantee. And if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. And what's cool about Game Time is you get images of your seats before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can get the tickets in a matter of seconds, a couple of taps on your phone. Bam, the tickets are sent directly to you, and you don't have to go through your email. So download the GameTime app, create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create, create an account. Use the redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Again, download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And in tomorrow's episode, I will have Leaf Tuline, and I'll get back to you on what the topic will be. All right, now let's talk about the bad. We did the good. Let's talk about the bad. In this episode, again, I'm covering the good, the bad, and then the ugly. All right, and the bad, Victor Wimbayama. Only shot 32% on jump shots, and he had a heavy amount of attempts. Scoot Henderson ranked in the bottom 16 percentile in transition finishing. He only made 51% of his shots in transition, which is crazy considering he's such a good athlete. He shot only 30% in isolation and only 40% as the pick-and-roll ball handle. So you figure he's such a gifted athlete, has all the tools to be great, a great offensive player. But he struggles in isolation, 
which you would think would be a strength. And I mean, you can put it in the context. Maybe he didn't have the spacing around him. And he only shot 40% as a pick and roll ball handler. A little concerning. All right, Brandon Miller only shot 31.8% in isolation and only 32% on jump shots off the dribble. That is shocking to me because I felt like the mid-range pull-up and shooting off the dribble was his best asset in high school. And I wasn't a great sample size at Alabama, but the numbers are the numbers. Only 32% shooting off the dribble. Asor Thompson, known for his athleticism, only made 51% of his layups. Just a little bit more than half of his layups. So you look at his percentage around the rim, they're heavily, heavily aided by dunks and transition finishes. Jairus Walker, another guy, shot, I want to say, earlier I mentioned Jairus Walker shot 66% at the rim, but those numbers are heavily padded by dunks. He only made 53.8% of his layups. All right, Anthony Black, these numbers are bad. 32% on jump shots. 21% on unguarded catch-and-shoot field goal attempts. Only shot 31% off the dribble. Also struggled finishing at the rim on non-dunks. Only 51% of his layups. And he is right-hand dominant. Only made 25% of his shots when he was going to his left. Again, these are the bad. So remember, ugly can get even worse. All right, Keontae George. Also struggled at the rim. 52% at the rim. Only 51% on layups. He shot only 26% on, un, oh, I'm sorry, 26% on guarded catch and shoots. A significant drop off when there's a hand in his face and it's contested because he was at 47% when unguarded. And then for a point guard or a combo guard or a ball handler, he had 91 assists and only, I'm sorry, he had 91 assists and 91 turnovers. So his assist to turnover ratio was even. If you would have had to take a, a bet who had a higher assist to turnover ratio, Jairus Walker or Keontae George, Jairus Walker's was higher. Another concerning stat that ranks in the bad category, Grady Dick, 52% on layups. Case and Wallace, this is very interesting here, shot 50% in transition, which was in the bottom 28 percentile. Now, if you remember, in the first segment, I put Case and Wallace shot 41% from three in transition. So that is very interesting to me. And Jordan Hawkins, only 51% on layups. Nick Smith Jr., 23% on guarded catch and shoot jumpers. Another guy that was lights out when left open, 48%. Put a hand in his face, it drops down to 23%. And Derek Lively only made 52% of his non-dunk finishes around the rim. He shot 77% at the rim, but you take away the dunks, he's down to 52% on layups. And here's the two guys that aren't in my lottery range that had numbers that just popped out to me that I just had to add them in this episode. It was Noah Clowney. And this is, this is, is what's interesting about context. Noah Clowney... I mean, I think he has a promise as a shooter, but he shot 28% from three, which is, you know, not great, but 47 of his field goal attempts were threes. Now, how often would a guy get credit for his upside as a shooter 
if he shot nearly half of his shots were from three and he only shot 28% from three. Interesting. Add a little context there. And Marquise Noel, all five foot eight of Marquise Noel averaged more rebounds than Jet Howard. I'm going to repeat that. Marquise Noel from Kansas State, five foot eight. He might weigh 160 pounds, averaged more rebounds than Jet Howard. Now put it into context, Jet Howard had some ankle injuries. He was not 100% throughout the season, but we're talking about a guy that's like 6'8", 215, and averaged around three rebounds per game. Marquise Noel averaged more rebounds than Jet Howard. All right, when we return, I'll talk about the ugly. If you thought the bad was bad, wait till you hear the ugly. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. We did the good, we did the bad, now let's do the ugly. Start off at the top of the draft, Victor Wimbayama. 38% field goal on post-ups, only 29% on spot-ups, and he had 86 assists, or his season is still going on, 86 assists and 126 turnovers. Now, there are a few other players in this draft. Cam Whitmore, Gigi Jackson are guys that when people speak against them and what they can't do, they bring up their assists and turnovers and their decision-making. I haven't heard a lot of that about Victor Wimbayama. 86 assists and 126 turnovers. Concerning. Scoot Henderson only had 22 dunks this season. Again, he's a phenomenal athlete, and he missed six of his 22 dunks. Brandon Miller, this is bad. 46, I'm sorry, this isn't bad. This is ugly. 46.8% on layups. And for a guy that shot 38% from three, and for the majority of the season it was 40% from three, Brandon Miller struggles in the corner only made 29% of his three-pointers in the corners. Ugly. Amon Thompson. I mean, I guess I can put Amon and Asur in the same category here. 28.9% on jumpers, 28.6% on jumpers, on catch-and-shoot jumpers, and Amon Thompson was 3 for 14, which is 17% on guarded catch-and-shoot jumpers. Ugly. Cam Whitmore. His turnovers doubled his assists. 20 assists, only four, I'm sorry, 20 assists and 42 turnovers. He only posted up, and this is not necessarily a knock on Cam Whitmore, maybe a knock on Villanova, but I think this is going to be a strength in the NBA. Cam Whitmore only posted up three times all season, and he only had one attempt as the P and R pick and roll roll man. I think that is going to be a skill set that hopefully a smart team in the NBA unlocks. Now, this stat right here might have been the ugliest stat out of all the stats that I looked up, other than Marquise Noel averaging more rebounds than Jet Howard. Taylor Hendricks, listen to this, only shot 44.7% on layups. Taylor Hendricks only shot 44.7% on layups. That's bad. That's really bad. That's the lowest I've seen. Jordan Hawkins had 14 dunk attempts this season. And he missed five. He missed five of his 14 dunk attempts this season. And he's a good athlete. Like, how is that possible? Nick Smith Jr. This is a crazy stat here. It's pretty ugly. 35% in transition. He only made 50% of his layups. But we know he was in and out of the lineup with right knee management. So I'm going to add a little bit of context there. And Alabama had no floor spacing. But 50% on layups is bad. Derek Lively... And I, I tweeted this. I want to talk about this for a second. I tweeted this 
at the combine that when I was in the arena working late trying to upload video files clutch would come in and Derek Lively was constantly knocking down threes constantly knocking down threes I tweeted it out apparently there was conversations on reddit or something like that calling me a clutch puppet or saying that I was getting paid by clutch hilarious to me I need a new house I'm trying to buy a house for my family and maybe if I had those accepting payola I'd have it right now but I don't and I'm not getting paid by anybody other than subscribers and people that are listening to the podcast anyway with that being said I tweeted that Derek Lively was consistently knocking down jumpers people didn't believe me again they thought I was lying trying to create content for clutch I think someone said I'm trading in favorable content for access you think I really wanted to be in the arena at 11 o'clock p.m. when clutch was working out no I needed the Wi-Fi so anyway Derek Lively shot the ball lights out at his pro day and I think they said he made 14 threes in a row. So when the video went out, it made me look like I knew what I was talking about. Well, I knew what I saw. But with all that being said, he was only 2 for 13 on jump shots his freshman season at Duke. So for the people that are believers in Lively's upside, like me, they will point to his pro day and the shooting touch that he showed and how it projects to, you know, how he projects to be a you know, decent shooter in the NBA with progression. But if you're not a lively believer, you can point out and say, hey, when the games mattered, he only made two out of 13 jump shots on the entire season. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. I gave you the good, the bad, and the ugly using stats for your favorite prospects. Maybe not your favorite prospects, but for guys that I think could be in the lottery range. I will have an article on NBABigBoard.com where I will give more stats like this, but it will cover a wider range of players. So check it out if you're not subscribed, NBABigBoard.com. And if you're not subscribed to this podcast or YouTube, like, subscribe, comment, share, whatever, NBA Big Board. We have great NBA draft content, and we are going to wrap it up as the season. I'm sorry, as draft season winds down. We are about 23, 24 days until the 2023 NBA draft. Can't wait. All right, once again, that wraps up this episode. I'm Rafael Barlow, your host. Hopefully everyone had a great weekend. Again, hopefully you enjoyed this episode, and I will be back tomorrow. Die and out.